0: Father, we do thank you so much for the opportunity to study your word um, to to learn about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's role in our lives, just the blessing that it is to have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, transforming us, enabling us to live in obedience to the life you've called us to. Pray that you would just bless this time of study, help us to apply these truths to our lives, to to see the incredible relevance that they have, and to help us to rejoice in these truths and in your greatness. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So as you can see this morning, we are getting started with the subject of the Holy Spirit. The subject of the Holy Spirit. Now next week we will take a one week break from the Fundamentals of the Faith course. Next week, what, what day is it? Not Halloween. Hint, hint, not All Saints Day. What's another day maybe? Reformation Sunday, Reformation Sunday, remembering the day that Martin Luther hammered his was it 95 thesis to the church door in Germany. So we will take a break to um, talk about uh, Reformation Sunday, and then in two weeks we'll return back to the Holy Spirit. So today we'll focus on the person of the Holy Spirit, and then just as we've done with the Father, with the Son, we'll then talk about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it's such an incredible subject, such an important subject, because how often do we talk about the Holy Spirit? Unfortunately, not enough. Unfortunately, the Holy Spirit we often neglect. Is the Holy Spirit an equal member of the Trinity? Absolutely. Is the Holy Spirit any less important? Is he any less God? No. And, and so two things happen when we neglect to talk about the Holy Spirit. On one side, it creates a sense of vacuum of teaching and it kind of becomes a playground for false teaching. I think this is an area, obviously any area of doctrine in the Trinity, you're going to have false teaching. But the Holy Spirit, there tends to be a lot of confusion on what are the gifts of the Spirit, which we'll talk about in more emphasis at a later lesson. What is the role of the Holy Spirit? Um, things like that. And, and so, unfortunately, you get a lot of false teaching around it. But even more so, we fail to glorify the Holy Spirit for who he is. Our lives are to glorify God, and that's all members of the Trinity, right? Father, Son, and Spirit. Uh, and so we fail there, and we can fail when we don't give the Holy Spirit its proper, his proper recognition. We also rob ourselves of blessings. I mean, this is God living inside of us. Enabling us, empowering us, leading us, guiding us, teaching us. It is a tremendous cause for rejoicing. So it's an extremely important subject that we often don't talk enough about within our churches. And so I'm very excited for us to be tackling this subject. Let's see. I promise it worked earlier. Is there a button? See, it's tricky because normally you have to push it numerous times for it to work. So you can't tell, is it just doing its normal thing or is it just flat out not working? We'll see. Do you mind flipping it while you're, oh, oh yeah, I see you gotta plug it in. It's a tricky thing. It is a tricky thing. You gotta plug it in. That's why we keep somebody as sophisticated as Wade around here. Remind us of those things. Our objectives here with Lesson 7, the first thing we're going to talk about, which we've mentioned before in this study, is knowing that the Holy Spirit is a person, which is important, not something to be taken for granted, because sometimes we can fall into the incorrect way of thinking of the Holy Spirit as like some kind of just mystical force, you know, or uh, just overly mystical idea, but we talk about, importantly, the Holy Spirit as a person, not just a person, though. The Holy Spirit is God, as I mentioned, 100% God, equal to the Father and the Son. And then, two weeks from now, primarily, we'll get an introduction to the Spirit's work in Ministry, both in the church, on the corporate level, but then also individually in each and every one of us first let 's talk about our memory verse. This is our first time with this verse, so let 's just read it together and work on memorizing it. we've got two weeks to memorize it, so maybe next time we don 't have to read it right next time we can we can go for memory, but read with me john fourteen sixteen I will ask the Father. And he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. Now, who's saying this? Who's the speaker here? Jesus. So we got the whole Trinity involved in this passage, right? We got Father uh, who is being prayed to or who Jesus is talking, referring to. We got Jesus speaking and talking about the Holy Spirit. And the word that Jesus uses here, the helper, Greek word, paraclete, the helper, is a word that is very often tied in scripture to the Holy Spirit when we talk about his role in our lives as a helper. And so we're going to dive into that and, um, just get more perspective on that. But uh, it's, it's a, it's a key part when we talk about the Holy Spirit's in our, role in our lives. Who needs help? All of us. Is life relatively difficult? I think life is pretty difficult. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world where we deal with the consequences of our own sin. We, we live in a world where we deal with the consequences of sin around us and our process of ongoing sanctification. We need a helper and rejoice that that is the holy spirit's role in your life that scripture so often ties him to John 14:16 the second verse here a memory verse uh, but look at John 14:26 again the full trinity involved here Jesus speaking about the father and the spirit but the helper the holy spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. John fourteen sixteen. how long does Jesus promise the Spirit to be with his people? Forever. Isn't that a remarkable concept? How much in your life is forever is your home forever car forever I mean is even your family your earthly family forever in a sense right but then in some sense, the when it comes to forever, the Holy Spirit is one of the few things in our existence that we can cling to with eternal confidence. And and what's remarkable there is, is there anything better? Think about all the things, catalog of things in your life and how temporary, easily lost they are. Yet, as a follower of Christ, the number one thing that you possess is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ living inside of you. There's nothing that even gets on the radar in terms of greatness and importance. And that most important thing is promise and guaranteed forever. Because who's the power that makes that promise certain? It's the power of God. It's the very spirit inside of us. There are so many reasons we should rejoice in that truth. But what we clearly see with these verses is the Holy Spirit is a distinct person independent from the Father and the Son. One with them in the Trinity and in deity, but this isn't just another side of the Father. Or this isn't just another side of the Son. This isn't just the Son or the Father Presenting themselves in a different way. The Holy Spirit is a distinct member of the Trinity. Separate from the Father and the Son. Yet working in conjunction with the Father and the Son. We see the the scriptures very clearly give the Holy Spirit all the attributes of a person. Intellect. The Holy Spirit demonstrates intellect. You look at Romans 8, 26, and 27, and it's a remarkable passage where the, the, where scripture tells us that the Spirit knows us as individuals even better than we know ourselves. Isn't it pretty regular, regularly in life that you, you know, there's something wrong within yourself? You can't quite pinpoint it. You don't even know exactly how to pray. You don't even know exactly what to pray for. But look at what Romans tells us here. Romans 8, 26 and 27. The Spirit also helps in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words could you have a better intercessor is there anything better than knowing that God knows you and cares about you individually at the deepest levels knows you better than you could ever know yourself and intercedes for you not just in a superficial way or in a weak way but look at the words that Paul uses the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words, and he searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Spirit very clearly possesses knowledge, intellect, has the mind of an individual person first Corinthians two ten to eleven it talks about how the the spirit has perfect knowledge of God, because he is God. And what's great about first Corinthians chapter two is it talks about how the spirit has perfect knowledge of God because he is God. And that this spirit being the mind of Christ dwells within you. See that the Holy Spirit has emotion. What's God's will for our life? We complicate that a lot. We complicate what is God's will for our life, but the Bible's always very clear on it and simplifies it. God's will for our life is our sanctification, right? And God's will for our life, our lives, is seeking first His kingdom, His righteousness, growing in our holiness. That's God's will for our life. Ephesians 4.30 talks about how when we live outside of God's will, the Spirit has emotion. We grieve the Spirit. Volition. Who in here has spiritual gifts? Talk about spiritual gifts in a a few weeks here as part of the course. If you're a follower of Christ, you have a spiritual gift. It's, it's, uh, every single person who is a follower of Christ. First Corinthians 2 or 12 verses 7 and 11 talk about how the Spirit gives each and every one of us gifts for the purpose of serving the church. And the Spirit exercises His will, His volition in choosing which gifts that we have. Acts 13.2, the Spirit chooses people and calls people. We see Barnabas and Saul there called to ministry, chooses and calls people to ministry. So when we talk about the Spirit as a person, not some mystical force, but a person who has intellect, emotion, will, and exercises those things throughout Scripture. Scripture. The Holy Spirit, just like any other person, can also be responded to. When it comes to the work of the Holy Spirit, we can obey the Holy Spirit. Acts 10, 19-21 is just one example where the Spirit calls Peter to um, go minister to the Gentiles, to minister to Cornelius, and Peter responds in obedience. We can resist the work of the Holy Spirit, Acts 7.51 talks about how the Jews in rejecting what the Holy Spirit speaking through Scripture has shown them throughout history, through the prophets, through the Old Testament, now through Christ and the apostles, the Jews in rejecting that are rejecting, resisting the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can be lied to we see an example of this with Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. Um, what's interesting here in this passage that we'll talk about in a moment is Peter speaking to Ananias and Sapphira, and they're lying to the Holy Spirit. Uh, he uses the words God and Holy Spirit interchangeably, showing really the deity of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is, in fact, God. 1029 tells us that in rejecting Christ, we are insulting the Holy Spirit. And then as noted above, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a person. He is God. He can be responded to. But the Holy Spirit is also active. The Holy Spirit is active. And when we talk about the Spirit being active, He's active in eternity. Eternity past, now, eternity into the future. The Holy Spirit is active. So it's important, where this becomes really relevant, as we look at these things, and as we talk about what the Holy Spirit does, it's important to remember that He is doing these things now. When it comes to your life, your individual life, when it comes to the life of North Lake Bible Church and us as a community of believers, or when we talk about um, the church globally as followers of Christ or world history, the things going on in the world right now, when we talk about what the activities of the Holy Spirit are, Take a step back and realize he is doing these things now. Change the way you look at your life. It should change the way you look at what goes on around you. The Holy Spirit is active. One of the main emphasis of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives as believers is he teaches. The Holy Spirit teaches, John 14, 26. Jesus says, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Now, of course, he's talking to his immediate audience, the apostles there, but This has implications for our lives as well, because first of all, it's the same spirit, the same Christ that that teaches us today. And the apostles were commissioned through the Holy Spirit to record the things that they taught, that he taught the apostles so that they could continue to teach us today as we open up his word. And this has tremendous implications for your own knowledge today, right, so when you go to open up God's Word and study what it has for you to know and learn, who are you relying on? Hear it It should change your approach to scripture. you're not going to understand the things of God apart from the Holy Spirit teaching you those things. Paul says that so clearly in 1 Corinthians. Why do you think the world cannot understand the things of God? Somebody who is not a follower of Christ does not have the Holy Spirit. They are spiritually dead and cannot understand the things of God because apart from the Holy Spirit, you cannot understand the things of God. And as followers of Christ... It's still the same, right? Like we can't learn and understand the word of God apart from the Holy Spirit teaching us. And so when you go in to study the word of God, step number one is prayer and going before God and saying, hey, Lord, Holy Spirit, I know that this is a vain effort apart from you giving it success. Teach me your word. Help me to understand your word. When it comes to wisdom, who does James tell us we should go to for wisdom? God. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And God gives it, but he gives it through the Holy Spirit. You're going to throw me the phone? And frankly, when I open up anything, any book, any newspaper, any magazine, I'm still relying on the Holy Spirit giving me the wisdom, giving me discernment as I go into those things. You know, I don't open up any book, magazine, newspaper and say, Lord, you alone have wisdom. You alone, you're the teacher. Help me to learn, grow, but help me to filter these things through your truth, through your understanding. The Holy Spirit teaches us today this morning when we go in there to study God's word we ask for the Holy Spirit's help the Holy Spirit one of his primary activities is teaching spiritual gifts we have a whole lesson coming up on spiritual gifts so I won't steal too much from it but you can't talk about the Holy Spirit without talking about spiritual gifts because that is one of his primary functions and that's where we see him work both individually as he gives us those spiritual gifts but ultimately who are the gifts uh given to us to serve one another right so you look at a passage like first corinthians chapter 12 you start at verse 7 <clears throat> and he's talking about paul's talking about each and every one of us to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So when we work out our spiritual gifts in the church, we're showing what the Spirit is doing in our life for the common good. And you hop down to verse 11. One in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. It's such an important reminder for us if we want to be faithful to what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives and what the Holy Spirit has called us for, we have to be serving the church. You can't be faithful to the the Spirit's work in your life if you're not serving the church. So if somebody says, yeah, you know, I don't really need the church. Like I can be a Christian without being going to church. You really can't. Like, do you realize how much of the Bible, the New Testament particularly, almost becomes incoherent apart from the church? Like, it really just assumes, like, hey, if you're going to be a follower of Christ, you got to be a part of this community. And the Holy Spirit, one of the primary things it's doing in your life is giving you a gift and an ability to serve in the church. Teaching, distributing of spiritual gifts, The Holy Spirit, John 16, 8, Jesus says, convicts the world of sin. It convicts us of sin in our own lives, but the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. You look at what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 1, like even those who are not followers of Christ, still have an inherent sense of guilt, right? Their guilt, they they still know that, hey, there's something wrong. Now, the problem is the world doesn't seek the remedy, which is salvation in Jesus Christ and the forgiveness we have in Christ. But the conviction of sin is still there. We talked about 1 Corinthians 2.10, the Holy Spirit Um, in terms of him being active, he knows and understands. John 15, 26, the Holy Spirit testifies. This is something that we continue to see uh, the Holy Spirit do in our lives and in this world is testify to the work of Jesus Christ. John 15, 26 says, when the helper The Holy Spirit comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from my Father, he will testify about me. It goes back to the teaching part, but really honing in specifically on the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. When we talk about being born again, being born from death, spiritual death, to spiritual life. It is because the Holy Spirit has opened up your eyes to the reality of who Jesus Christ is. It's where we see the entirety of the Trinity getting involved in your salvation. Apart from spiritual renewal and the Holy Spirit uh, testifying to who Jesus Christ is, we cannot know who Jesus Christ is. The Holy Spirit is active in guiding and directing the ministries of the church. Here's just one example from Acts 16 where we see um, Paul talking about the Spirit's guiding of their ministry. But that is happening throughout the history of the church. The history of the church is not a story of our human endeavors to build the church. Who builds the church? Matthew says Jesus Christ builds the church. And he does it through the work and the activity, the guiding of the Holy Spirit. That should be a very humbling, very humbling idea. Like a very humbling reality that we get to play a role in the history of what the Holy Spirit is doing through the church. So when Northlake Bible Church does something, it's not just because we think it's a good idea and it's not something that we do in our own ability or power, but it is work, it is ministry guided and directed by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit can be responded to. The Holy Spirit is active Scripture also shows us the Holy Spirit demonstrating the attributes of God. We talked a few weeks ago about the attributes of God. Now we talk about just how we specifically see those in the person of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 1:18 is where Jesus or where Mary finds out she is with child by who? The Holy Spirit. Um, one of my favorite things in Excel with Rocky was uh, Rocky would always be like, hey, so how do you know, like, def- defend the deity of the Holy Spirit? And one of his main things is always like, well, first of all, we call him the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Who is holy besides God? None. Like any holiness we have is simply derived from God, given us as a gift through, through Christ, but the Holy Spirit is himself divine. The Holy Spirit is also omniscient. The Holy Spirit knows all things. We talked already about 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where it talks about the knowledge of the Holy Spirit. Look at Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40. Verses 13 to 14. Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord? Or who, or as his counselor, has informed him? With whom did he consult? Who gave him understanding? And who taught him in the path of justice? And taught him knowledge? And informed him of the way of understanding? The Holy Spirit knows all things the Holy Spirit is omnipresent you look at Psalm 139 this is such a comforting passage here Psalm 139 verse 7 where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence if I ascend to heaven you are there if I make my bed and shield, behold, you are there. Should that comfort us? Absolutely. Remember again that one of the main emphasis that Scripture, Jesus makes on the Holy Spirit is he is our helper. As I mentioned, life is tough. Life has a lot of challenges and we can find ourselves in very dark difficult circumstances but scripture is so clear wherever you are the Holy Spirit is there your helper your ultimate good is there it's such a comfort for me because there's been times where I felt like I was in a place where you know I couldn't really feel God's presence You know, sometimes you can really feel like, okay, yeah, I feel good and I can really feel God's presence. Sometimes though, you you (laughs) can't. Sometimes life feels dark and scary and you feel alone. And I'm so grateful that the Bible tells us clearly like, hey, it doesn't matter how you feel. Your feelings can be incorrect. Your feelings can be incorrect, but no matter how you feel, you can know God is there. Your ultimate good is omnipresent. Scripture is very clear, as I mentioned at the beginning. Hebrews 9.14, one passage, but there's many others. The Spirit is eternal. The Spirit is eternal, which again is a huge comfort. Eternity past. The Spirit is there at work. Now, the Spirit is here at work. But we don't have to worry about tomorrow, five years from now, ten years from now, any period in the future. The Holy Spirit, our helper, will still be at work. The Holy Spirit is eternal. Last attribute of God I'll hit on here. The Holy Spirit is truth. The Holy Spirit is truth. Um, 1 John 5, 6, talking about, uh, the testimony that, that the Spirit has of the Son. The Spirit testifies regarding Christ because the Spirit is the Spirit of truth. John 16, 13. John sixteen thirteen, talking about Jesus, talking again about the Holy Spirit, refers to the Spirit as the Spirit of truth. But when he, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. What's interesting there is what does Jesus, how does Jesus refer to himself in John 14, 6? It says, I am the truth. I am the way and I am the truth. So also is the spirit. The spirit being God is truth. So when we live in a world of confusion, do we live in a world of confusion? I would say so. Like, we can't even agree on what science is, right? Like, you would think that would be easy. Like, we live in a world of confusion, but in a world of confusion and chaos, how much do you want to know truth? Truth is found in Christ, in God, and in the Spirit. We also have some direct statements on the deity. When we talk about the Holy Spirit being God, just some direct um, <clears throat> statements on his deity. Again, we brought up Acts 5 earlier when Peter is talking to Ananias and Sapphira. Remember, they had sold their land and were untruthful about the amount they sold it for. Paul says, hey, you lied to God. You lied to the Holy Spirit. He uses the words God and Holy Spirit interchangeably there. Also, look at Second Corinthians 3.17. A very interesting passage. It, so we can oftentimes hear the word Lord used in reference to God. Like we'll see it here in Second Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We can kind of read that and just gloss over it, but if you put yourself in a first century Jew's shoes and hear the Spirit called Lord, the only way that makes any sense at all is if the Holy Spirit is God. You can call the Spirit Lord unless He is God. The, the Holy Spirit is Lord. One last just uh, direct statement on the deity of the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians 2 again, uh, that's where Paul really talks about hey, the human spirit knows uh, you as, as as a person, your spirit knows you better than other people do because you are one part physical but then you are also as a human, you have a spirit that is also human and in the same way the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God and fully divine. When, when we talk about the Holy Spirit as God, we also see titles that the Holy Spirit shares with Father and Son. Again, remembering John 14, 6, where Jesus says, I am the truth, 1 John 5, 6 Says this about the Holy Spirit. First John 5 6. This is the one who came by water and blood, speaking about Jesus Christ and talking about the testimony of the Spirit. It says, Not with water only, but with water and with blood. It is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is truth. In Romans 8 2. Paul talks about the spirit is life again sharing that title with Jesus Christ the son look at John 7:38 to 39 John 7:38 to 39 talking about the spirit sharing this same title with sharing same the same titles with father and son says he who believes in me as the scripture said from his innermost being will f- from him will flow rivers of living water but this he spoke of the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive for the spirit had not yet been given because jesus was not yet glorified again kind of a foreshadowing there to um acts chapter 2 to pentecost where the holy spirit would be poured out poured out on the followers of christ in a new way first peter chapter 4 looking at 14 so who does god give his glory to another right God glorifies himself. The purpose we have been called is for is to glorify the Father. That's our purpose of being. This the Father gives his glory, God gives his glory to none other. Yet in 1 Peter 4:14, 4, Peter refers to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of glory. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of glory and of God. And lastly here, we talk about uh, the Holy Spirit again, a title shared with father and son, God alone is holy. You think back to like Isaiah chapter six, the call of Isaiah and what is the chorus that he hears the angels around God sing holy 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 that that triple repetition there just focused on the perfect holiness of god so before we launch into the work of the holy spirit the foundation is understanding who the spirit is and the spirit is one hundred percent eternal God. He's not just another facet of the Son, or just another side of the Father, or just the Father and the Son calling themselves by different names. The Holy Spirit is a unique and individual member of the Trinity, completely equal with Father and Son, and eternally at work eternally at work in our lives as individuals and eternally at work in our church. So when we kind of recap and just talk about how does this practically apply in our lives, um, knowing that the Spirit is God, knowing that the Spirit is an individual person, when we reflect on the Holy Spirit, First of all, one of the commands that the Bible gives us is to be filled with the Spirit. Now, what does that mean, to be filled with the Spirit? It's one of those areas, or one of those statements even, that people can really run wild with, right? Like, people can really run wild with the idea of being filled with the Spirit. But when you're a follower of Christ... How much of the Spirit do you have? 5%? 50%? Does it fluctuate day to day? No. Paul tells us that as members of Christ, we have been baptized in the Spirit. Like we have been submerged in the Spirit. We have all the Spirit that we are ever going to get. So when Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, be filled with the Spirit, What is he talking about there? Ephesians 5.18. When we talk about how we should live and interact with the Spirit, Paul says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. What he's talking about there is live a life under the control and influence of the Spirit of God. You have all the Holy Spirit you can possibly get. Now live under his control. Live under his influence. That's why he uses the contrast there with being drunk. When you are drunk, you are under the influence of alcohol. You are under the control of alcohol. You've lost many of your capabilities of controlling yourself and making, and making decisions because you're under the control of alcohol. He's saying don't be drunk with alcohol. Don't live under the influence of The drug, but instead be under the control of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the word filled there is a Greek word that you would also use for a sail on a sailboat, being filled with air, being filled with the wind, driven, empowered, enabled under the control of the wind, in that same way be filled with the Holy Spirit. Your life is to be enabled, driven, powered by God living inside of you. How do you do that? Is that mystical? Is that confusing? A really helpful passage, which you could really get from Ephesians also. But remember, Colossians was written um, in conjunction at the same time in the, with, with Ephesians. And in the parallel passage to Ephesians chapter 5, Colossians 3.16, Paul says that uh, the, the parallel here is let the word of Christ richly Dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You want to live a life filled, empowered, enabled by the Holy Spirit that does dwell inside of you as a follower of Christ? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Live in obedience to the Word of God. Because after all, whose words are these? They're the Holy Spirit's. They're the same words of the Spirit living inside of you. 2 Timothy 3.16 These words are God-breathed. 2 Peter 1.20-21 says that the, the prophets of the Old Testament, the Scripture they wrote Did they come up with it? Was it their own ideas and philosophies? No, they were wrote as they were led by the spirit. And it's this same spirit whose emphasis is on teaching that dwells within you. Do you see how this all works? It's like as if you were trying to learn a subject of some other sort and the author wrote the book, but then also was not just a great author but the best teacher possible and also just live side by side with you to walk you through the book that they wrote that's what we have we have the spirit supernaturally enabling us to understand and live out the words that he supernaturally gave so my first point of application when we talk about the holy spirit is be filled with the Spirit. Let the Word of Christ dwell richly in you and live in obedience. The second point I would make is rely on the Spirit, recognizing that we are not meant to live this life in our own power, but we are called by Christ and meant to live by the enablement of the Spirit living within us. God calls us to do things that are beyond our capability. So that when we do them, just like Paul with the clay pot illustration, people say, hey, I know that's the work of God because I know that person's not capable. But rely on the Holy Spirit so that all glory goes to the Holy Spirit for what he does. When you have difficulty in life, the Holy Spirit is your helper. It is God dwelling within you and lastly rejoice in your helper rejoice in the holy spirit rejoice in your helper this should all cause us when we realize the greatness of the spirit inside of us it should call us to rejoice you know uh, the same spirit who set in motion creation look at around at creation right look at stars planets whatever aspect of it blows you away and recognize that the same power that creates and sustains this universe is the same power that lives within you. When you, when you hear about the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings that are so deep we can't understand, it, this is the same power that sustains this universe. That should cause you to rejoice. That the most important thing in your life can never be taken from you, but lives with you and enables you. Be filled with the Spirit. Recognize your ultimate dependence upon Him in your life and rejoice in those realities. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for the gift that the Spirit is in our lives. We uh, just thank you so much that you love us, that you dwell with us. Pray that you would let that reality just guide our every step, that every day we would wake up and just rejoice in the reality that you love us so much, that our lives would be lived to your glory and for your purposes. Pray you'd help us to love one another, encourage one another, build up one another. And as we go into worship, just focus our hearts in on your truth, on glorifying you and worshiping you. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.